0: hello annie trenders welcome to the girl otaku hosted by the ladies of anime trending if you're looking for nice tea and deep dive analysis about otaku things you've come to the right place we love our conversation and discussion and we're back with another fun topic on the table my name is gracie and i'm joined by hello i am isabel and this is agnes so, without further ado, the Grow Talk today will be about best grandpas in anime. The reason why for that is the weekend that we are recording this is going to be Father's Day weekend, at least here in the US. I don't know if Father's Day is different depending on where you live, um, but specifically we've done an anime dads episode before actually on the Father's Day weekend before and There's definitely plenty of anime dads out there to explore and to think about more, but in this case, we thought it would be fun to sort of shake it up and talk about anime grandpas because anime grandpas are still dads. They're dads to the dads of the shows, and um, and people celebrate their grandpas on uh, Father's Day, so that is why today we will be focusing on anime grandpas. So I believe I'm starting off the topic today first, and so I'm going to go ahead and kick off with my first one. And it's probably going to be very predictable for you all. Well Actually, my two choices are all pretty predictable. But my first one I would love to highlight, really, really love to highlight, is Sullivan from Irma-kun, who is the grandpa that literally uh, abducted Irma and adopted him as his grandson. Have any of you two managed to peek at iruma Welcome to Demon School, Iramakun since I've mentioned a lot of it. Or is all your knowledge through osmosis through me again?
1: <laughs> osmosis. Perfect. Osmosis. Mm-hmm.
0: Perfect. Okay, exactly like I like. <laughs> so, uh, the grandpa's, uh, or actually, I know him, funnily enough, I know him more as just grandpa because that's what iruma calls him. iruma calls him grandpa. But his real name is Sullivan. And he is just such an amazing grandpa, an amazing character. I actually adore him in the series itself. The whole series uh, jumped off because of the fact that Irma-kun's deadbeat parents made a demon contract to specifically uh, you know, sign over their son, Irma, in exchange for probably money or some other thing because money tends to be a, like a thing that they were always greedy about. And so when we meet Sullivan, he is this very intimidating, menacing demon. He is tall, like seven feet sort of tall with large horns coming out of his bald head. And um, and it's just, re- just this really foreboding sort of person. And so he takes Irma away. And so Irma is certain that he's about to get eaten or something bad is about to happen now that he's been exchanged in this contract. But instead, he suddenly finds himself like all dressed up and sitting on a throne room. And Sullivan is basically like please just be my grandchild because you see my two other co-workers they have grandchildren and all they ever do is talk about their grandchildren and it it's driving me insane and I have such big FOMO and so I think I would be an amazing grandpa I think I'd be a better grandpa than both of them so I need to prove it to them please 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 please, please. and he's just like shaking either shoulders and it's really funny specifically because Sullivan like I said when he's normal He has a very foreboding figure he is like he is probably the tallest character well Bala might might actually be taller than Sullivan but he is this really tall demon with those giant horns and stuff like that out of a bald head but he's usually seen in his chibi form more which is kind of like an inflatable egg Like he becomes really round and tiny and rotund and he kinda looks like Humpty Dumpty. And so um and it's really cute when he does stuff like that because that tends to be his quote unquote normal form, except it's not his normal form, actually looks a lot more like an actual demon. It's just he's so like happy and like bouncy and like excited for Iruma that he's just constantly in that egg form so actually the the fandom literally calls uh calls it egg form because it looks like an egg so much and it's funny because you know he is a demon who technically kidnapped Irma into another world but he is genuinely the best thing that has ever happened to Inuma. Inuma, like I said, had very deadbeat parents. They used him for everything for their own, um, in order to earn, like, or in order to live their own lives of luxuries and leaving all the work to Inuma. And because of that, Irma actually never went to school. Or I mean, he tried to, and then he had to drop out essentially because his parents were constantly in debt and then signing him over to do work, to pay off the debt that he didn't really have time to go to school in the first place. And, Um, and so for Iruma, you know, like at first it was intimidating being in a demon world and also really, really funny with him and being in a demon world where their literal school anthem is to sing about how delicious humans are and how humans are meant to be eaten, which the more I'm saying this, the more I'm like, huh, Agnes would blend along very well in that demon world. Anyway, so (laughs) that's aside. um. So basically, <laughs> sorry Agnes, and the thought occurred to me and I had to say it out loud, I apologize. I did not mean to do that on purpose.
2: <laughs> it-, it caught me by surprise, but okay, go on. <laughs>
0: Um, But anyway, so the big thing about Sullivan is that Sullivan is very acutely aware of the fact that Irma is a people pleaser and he doesn't really know how to say no because he's been saying yes to his parents his entire life because especially as a kid, it can be really, really hard to say no to your parents. And so... And so specifically because of that, for uh, Sullivan on the other hand, he does the opposite instead. He is constantly asking Irma what he wants, what he can provide. He's giving it to Irma before Irma asks. There was this really sweet segment in uh, season three specifically that is so short, but basically uh, but basically Irma wanted something and like asked his grandfather if he could if the grandfather could buy it for him for the first time ever. And Sullivan was so excited to hear that. And uh, and Irma was very embarrassed because what Irma wanted was a game console. Yes, game consoles exist in the demon world, too. <laughs> um, and Irma has never had a game console. And he has this sort of preconceptive ideas that game consoles are very distracting. They'll destroy your grades. And he does feel this pressure to, like, perform well in school because he's like, oh, this really nice person has, you know, taking me in so I can't, Like, I can't disappoint him. Like, I can't disappoint my grandfather and stuff like that. But instead, uh, Sullivan was so excited that he, like, immediately brought Irma to a console store and basically offered to buy whatever console he wants, as many as he wants, because it was the first time Irma has ever, like, came to him and specifically asked him to get him something just to play with and it was a big stepping moment in regards to Irma really just being allowed to be a kid like he should be versus what he was before and that is all Sullivan's doing like his love his affection his very grandpa eggy affection and then the best part of this whole thing is that Sullivan is an absolute beast in regards to his abilities so how the demon the demon world in Irma-kun looks very sort of uh, harmless because of how bright and colorful and cartoonish the characters look. But every single adult demon character have proven themselves to be extremely terrifying. They are genuinely demons when they come down to it. And uh, specifically, Sullivan is one of the highest ranking demons of all of the demon world. And his like moments of powers, is it really just nails in like nobody can beat this guy. He is completely capable of controlling time. And so oftentimes when he uses his powers, no one even knows what happened or even were aware that he even used his powers because he would freeze time, do what he needs to do, and then unfreeze it. And so no one knows his involvement in things. And that's also sort of like a perfect character to be very protective of Irma, who spent his entire life unprotected from the people that should have protected him. So that's why I really wanted to spotlight Sullivan He's just wonderful. I love him. He's the best thing that has ever happened to Irma. And thank God his parents decided to sell Irma to <laughs> Sullivan for some money. So so that is my focus. Um, have you guys seen Sullivan at all? Like know what he looks like or anything like that?
2: I am looking him up as we speak. I, I actually am- saw pictures
1: of him before and I was like, who is this guy? He did not look like a grandpa father type character to me at all so i am glad that you explained what his character is like that puts it into a better perspective than what i had uh, okay in but mind, what if
0: you see him in egg form? though let me take, let me say his a- egg form kind of reminds me
2: of you know the 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 villain from *The gray man oh yeah <laughs> he kind of looks like that oh, no! Why except a little bit more cute <laughs>
0: scary like i said but very cute so (laughs) um yes but see isabel he's adorable as humpty dumpty
1: (laughs) humpty dumpty yes that's what he looks like
0: i know that's exactly what i'm thinking of he's like he he looks like humpty dumpty so um anyway so that is the first grandpa that i would like to um i like to spotlight for our episode the second one, I hope I'm not poaching anyone's, but it wouldn't surprise me if I did. It is from Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood. I tried my best not to think of a character from Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood simply because I've like mentioned that anime so many times. I'm getting bored of myself on it, but he was literally just the first thing that came to my mind. And it is Fool, uh, Fu from um, one of the- Fujisa yes. cries a river. <laughs> did I poach yours? I hope not. <laughs>
2: No, you didn't. Thank God. I was actually afraid that you would
0: poach any of them. Okay, good, good, good. Well, good news. This is my last one, so I can't poach anymore after this. Um, But yes, Fu from Fullman Alchemist Brotherhood. I think the reason why Fu stuck out to me so much is that he is really reminiscent of sort of the old Chinese grandpa because Xing is based on China. It's very obvious the characters have very Chinese names. Their um, specifically their beliefs, their uh, philosophy, even their martial arts are Chinese based. And so it's just, it's very obvious that this is a, ch- a Chinese uh, inspired sort of country in this particular context of the anime. And Fu, really just acts like one of those old grandpas from China. He is very stern, um but like he is obviously very loving. I think a lot of people got confused when, you know, Fu did hit um his granddaughter after she had lost her arm and reprimanded her for the fact that she lost it and because of that she can't protect the prince anymore. And then of course but immediately without a second after that he like starts breaking down because he was like your arm, you lost your arm. And I think um, obviously that sort of treatment to your kids is unacceptable nowadays, Um, but having, you know, grandparents back then Uh, I will say that my grandfather has done his fair share of hitting my mom especially because my mom does not listen to any sort of rules she just does her own things and in fact she doesn't even care if he hits her because like she just waits for it to be done and then she (laughs) leaves and so um but I think it's just like when he did it in that moment it is very unacceptable but at the same time it was such an expression of just utter anger that he doesn't really know what to do. And the only thing he could have thought of was trying to go about it in a logical way. But ultimately it, failing because what it really was is he was devastated by his granddaughter losing her arm and you really see that he never forgets that all the way till the end because when he faces Bradley immediately the first thing he thinks of is this is the person that actually took my granddaughter's arms and um my granddaughter's arm and immediately went after him And sadly, you know, Fumaka's brotherhood has been out for a long time, so I don't feel as bad spoiling about this. But sadly, he doesn't make it to the end of the series. But I think even his team up at the very end with Buccaneer was very impactful for me. Um, The fact that, um, you know, when Buccaneer pulled out his own, the sword from his abdomen to essentially bleed out to death, but using Fu's body to shield him by going after Bradley, like it was, It was such an unspoken teaming up moment that was also so sad because both of them were going to die no matter what, that it really felt like it meant something. It meant something very powerful. And of course, you know, Fu is really not just a grandfather to, um, to his granddaughter. Ling, who is the prince who he is in charge of protecting, I really think the way he treats Ling is also very grandfatherly with a bit more, um, with a bit more professionalism as you would expect in this situation. Uh, but it's a a very emotional attachment he has to Ling and Ling has a very emotional attachment to Fu as well. And it was very evident in the fact that immediately after, you know, when, when Ling, or I guess Greed as well, Greed heard that Fu didn't make it, uh, Ling was, asking for anyone who might be an alchemist because he has a philosopher's stone that is literally merged with his body that he can use to like save Fu. And I also thought it was telling specifically that greed didn't protest to that at all, which also means that greed also really bonded with Fu and really cared about him as well and probably, um, saw him as part of their group, their family, their friendship. And I mean, we also do see that when Fu like temporarily like knocked Ling down, it was both Ling and Greed screaming at him at the same time. So, um, but anyway, Fu has just amazing moments. He's an old, old grandpa from um, doing his best to protect his prince and loves his granddaughter a lot, taught her everything to make her as, you know, as powerful as she can and as protected as she can be and um, and died fighting for the people he loves and cares about and ultimately made a huge difference to the ultimate defeat of Bradley because as we later see Scar said if Bradley hadn't been so severely injured and worn down before facing off with him Scar didn't think he was going to win that fight so everything led to one another and Foos was just equally as important so Um, So that is why I really wanted to highlight Foo in regards to Best Grandpa. So Agnes, what do you think about (laughs) Foo?
2: Foo is great. He definitely deserves the recognition for this special podcast. I definitely got chills in the very in the very first scene where he fizzes off against Bradley and he's just seething in rage in both the English dove and the Japanese of Brad, of him telling Brad like, "Oh, you're the one who took my granddaughter's arm. I am going to basically fight you tooth and nail." And I was like, "Jeez, this delivery is so good. Yeah. I got chills." Yeah.
0: Uh yeah, no, he uh he was yeah, he was just amazing. Um Isabel, do you remember Fu from the Alchemist Brotherhood?
1: <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Now that you were talking about him, I, w- I was remembering a little bit of the scenes and yeah, I definitely re- remember him as that type of, you know, grandfather that you said, that's, you know, very tough, but also, um, very, he like, you know, stands with his ideals and things like that. So mm-hmm. I don't remember like obviously a lot about him, but I remember him as a great grandpa for
2: sure.
0: Does Fu remind any of you guys of your grandpa? Well, I guess Isabel doesn't quite remember him, but what about you, Agnes? Does he remind you of any of your grandpa, your old Asian grandpas?
2: <laughs> I can say for sure that old Asian grandpas definitely have that streak. Um, but my grandpa doesn't have that. So I can't I can't really say that I have a personal connection with it, but I can definitely see it in maybe other Asian families for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Wait, what, what is your grandpa like? Is he super sweet?
2: No, he's not. Oh, okay. Oh. He's moody. Oh. He's very moody. Oh, my okay, God. He has his, he definitely has his ooh woo moments, but he's, he's mostly moody. <laughs> he's just moody, okay.
1: Mm. What about your uh, grandfather, Gracie, or grandfather's?
0: Uh, I can't speak for one of them. I am i don't really have as much memories about him and at least that one I also don't think they have much connections. One of my grandfathers is very quiet and keeps to himself and is just this really soft-spoken man uh, but my grandfather that I am really close to that I knew and grew up and he kind of raised me on he does remind me a lot of Fu or at least Fu reminds me a lot of him specifically and so Uh, Especially with the way they talk and the way they treat their kids or grandkids for that matter. (laughs) Um, Grandkids, very firm and stern and sometimes scary because of how stern he is, but also extremely affectionate. Uh, he used to uh, he used to do this thing where he would talk through ticker and that would like excite me a lot. And so I don't I would like force him to keep talking through ticker for like more than an hour and finally <laughs> finally he like gave up and specifically I had asked him, I was like, make ticker talk, like continue to make ticker talk, and uh, my grandpa just had to go like Tigger is tired, ticker can't talk oh. anymore. <laughs> so Aww. um That's but so yeah, but he wanted to do that because he realized how happy it made me. But at the same time, he also did scare me when I was a kid specifically because he can be very stern and it can get scary very quickly. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so that's, uh, so that is Fu and a and b- a bit of tidbit about my grandfather as well. So, and that sums up my best grandfather and my best uh, anime grandfather. So I believe the baton passes to you now, Isabel. It doesn't sound like I've poached anything from you.
1: Yeah. Um... I yeah, the one I want to start with, I don't know if Agnes would go over it just because I know you like My Dress Up Darling was Gojo's <gasps> grandfather on your list.
2: Oh, I did not have Gojo Oh, that's, that's a good one. Page.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I thought he was a great uh grandfather. Obviously there's not too many scenes with him, but he does uh, he is Gojo's caretaker in My Dress Up Darling and I feel like he's the sweetest grandfather ever and I absolutely Love his reactions to Gojo just being himself, right? Um, of course, Gojo wanted to pick up um, Hina doll making from his grandfather. That's where he got his inspiration from. And so it's nice to see them kind of talk about uh, designs for dolls and things like that. Uh, but then Gojo also trying to, you know, work on cosplays for Marin. And the fact that he starts bringing home, you know, study materials in particular, I think that was one of the best scenes uh, in the show, just because it was really, really funny, and uh, yeah, just for everyone, a little refresher on what happened was that um, for, yeah, Gojo's grandpa usually just ask him, you know, like, how are you doing, things like that, he's always, he's not always there, you know, when Gojo comes home from school, but, you know, he definitely has a presence, and Uh, And I think Gojo doesn't have his um, parents anymore, which is why his grandfather is taking care of him. So it's just the two of them. And um, so when Gojo, you know, becomes friends with Marin and then uh, starts watching, like, I think, I don't don't know what exactly, but there's this one thing that he starts watching. Maybe it's like a Otome game or something or dating sim. It's like a
2: really raunchy... Etchy harem simulation game oh, if I recall. It's not even okay. Ultimate, yeah. Yeah,
0: no, Ultimate doesn't get those kinds of scenes. Or they're they're not as explicit as those etchy simulations. No, if they have
2: any kind of quote unquote explicit sex scene, it's going to be like a rated Like PG-16 kind of thing. You're you're not going to see the the extremities. What
0: you'll see is a still shot of a guy pushing a girl (laughs) down her bed and then it stays on there for literally forever and then it cuts to black.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that sounds about right.
0: (laughs) Anyway, continue. Sorry,
2: Isabel. (laughs) Alright,
1: that's a great one. Yeah, so basically one of those and he's watching it on tv and then um gojo's grandfather just kind of like peeks in and the whole room is like it's like glowing pink which is so funny but gojo's expression he's like so focused on watching it and his grandfather's like just in shock like oh my god my grand uh my grandson is watching these things and he's so serious about it and things like that um and then another part where he gojo brings home uh stockings and it just drops out of the bag and his grandfather literally like trips backward and has to go to the hospital because because of the shock that he uh he's so shocked that gojo is bringing home these types of things uh, but yeah i thought that was really funny i didn't think he would actually get hurt from it but obviously it happens sometimes so and and, and as he's like coming back home and he closes the door like oh i'm finally home and stuff like that mani all of a sudden pops up and gives him another shock um but yeah and then he realizes kind of their relationship but the fact that you know gojo is helping her out and yeah his grandfather even extends kind of an invitation for her to stay over um and eat dinner with them together so i feel like he was super inviting and super friendly uh towards marian and any one of gojo's friends really um, if they do come over and he also really supports him in or he really supports gojo in whatever he wants to do which i think is really sweet um i feel like their interactions are really great and i wish uh you know, we can see more of that, hopefully, if there is more anime coming out for My Dress Up Darling. Uh, But yeah, I just wanted to highlight Gojo's grandfather overall, just because those cute moments and him just supporting his uh, grandson overall. But yes, I know, Agnes, you watched My Dress Up Darling. What did you think of Gojo's grandfather?
2: I thought Gojo's grandfather was really cool, because he does encourage Gojo to do all these types of different arts, quote unquote, and do the necessary research. And he doesn't, he kind of judges him just a little bit at the stalking scene, but mm-hmm. <laughs> afterwards he just kind of lets it go. He's just like, as long as I, my son has found like a passion and he has friends and he's not doing anything bad, I think this is okay for him moving forward because I think he's very aware of Gojo's predicament of being very shy, being very introverted and not opening up to other people about his passion because he's been hurt before in the past. So... That, I think, perspective from a grandparent is a lot more telling than an actual like biological parent, because sometimes I feel like children and biological parents tend to have like this friction of biological parents having a lot of standards for their child, but not really knowing what to do with them. And the child also has their own aspirations, but it doesn't quite meet in the middle. Versus with the grandparents, the grandparents have seen everything in their lives for as long as they've lived. So when they raise their grandchildren, they kind of just let them go and let them do what they want. So it's really nice to see that representation in My Dress Up Darling.
1: Yeah, and that reminds me even of one scene where he kind of just straight up asked Gojo, like, are you making friends at school? And Gojo's like, yeah, I'm making friends at school. But then he also mentions like, yeah, I know you have like different types of hobbies. You know, I just want to make sure you're having, uh, you're able to enjoy school as much as you can so
2: right exactly and that's just it's just really sweet to see that because there's always like that degree of separation between like a grandparent and a child Um, so you sometimes don't quite see that relationship unless you actually do live with your grandparents for a really long time
1: but what about you Gracie what did you think of Joe's
0: grandfather. I also really loved him. You actually mentioned all of my favorite scenes with him. I thought him like seeing the stocking like falling backwards was like one of the funniest things ever because he thought like maybe he had like went shopping with his friends and he was like, oh, I mean, he did go shopping with his friends, but he was just like, oh, you mm-hmm. know, what did he buy? <laughs> it's like stockies. And so, and he was just like, what? Like, that's not what he was expecting at all. But I think the funnier thing is how, uh, like you said, how quick. He accepted it, even though it ended up being obviously a misunderstanding. He was like, Oh, so he's into that now. Okay, I just I just have to, you know, get it through my system, process it, and then, you know, tell him that I support him. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And I thought that was super cute and super sweet, of course, because that's obviously a very loving grandfather. But he had some of the funniest reactions in the entire anime. Another thing I was really impressed, or I thought it was um I think it was purposeful by is that the grandfather actually looks very, very manly, you know, and that's like a whole part of the My Dress of Darling theme, right? Is that Gojo feels sort of isolated and specifically feels, specifically feels isolated because he is a boy who enjoys making dolls, who enjoys observing dolls, looking at dolls and designing dolls and designing uh, clothes for them as well. And, you know, and that tends to be associated with femininity and specifically girls for that sort of thing. And that's been one of the things that isolated him in the past is that actual other kids his age were like, that's weird that you're a guy and you're into this. But, you know, we see Gojo's grandfather and he looks manly. He is a broad-shouldered, strong-looking older man who is working on something so dainty and feminine and requires such, like, a careful artistic touch. And I think that is a very purposeful and excellent juxtaposition of basically showing how stupid the idea of anything being associated to a particular gender is. Like unless we are literally talking about, well, not even that actually. never mind, I changed my mind on that. Like literally, nothing. Um, there really isn't anything that you should be associating with a particular gender, and as- and especially when it comes to something like hobbies and passions. And so, uh, and so because of that, I, I. I also admire uh, his grandfather and the purpose he serves in that story for that way as well.
1: Great, thank you. But yes, uh, that is the first uh, grandfather I wanted to highlight.
0: So, what's your second one?
1: My second one is from Gintama, Um, and so yeah, I I feel like I'll have to talk about this one a little bit. Yes, (laughs) please give um, me some
0: context.
1: (laughs) In particular, um, he is from the Yagyu family. the family that is the aristocratic part, and or an aristocratic family that serves the shogunate, and so they're kind of a family of, kind of I would say, kind of like generals or some type of military force um, behind the shogunate, and and so that their family is relatively big in the series, and. The most popular character is um, Yagyu Kyubei, who, who is, um, who basically is a female, but because of her family and how kind of the you know the male heir is usually passed down, her grandfather and and father wanted her, kind of pushed her when she was younger to be, um, to be more or basically act as a male just because they don't have a male heir anymore because she's a female. And so it's kind of like throughout, throughout Gintama, you'll see parts of their family and then also kind of her family just being more okay with her acting as a female, even though herself, she's kind of in that, in that sense, she wants to, she acts very male-like. Uh, she actually, um, is very, very good friends with Otae, who is Shinpachi's, uh, older sister, and so the funny thing is that they hang out so much that even she's a little jealous of the other guy that likes Otae as well, um, but yeah, in speaking about her grandpa, uh, her, her grandfather's, uh, name is Yagyu sai, which apparently stands for something like poverty, um, and I think it's funny because all, the the family itself is funny because all the male heirs are actually very short. They are maybe like two two feet in height uh, compared to the ladies or compared to anyone else in the family. Um, and so it's funny to see the grand the grandfather and and the father be like little tiny, uh, uh, tiny people uh, fighting with swords and things like that. Uh, you know, you would expect from like a swords uh, a family of samurais to be you know, um, you know, muscular and things like that, but they are totally, um, uh, kind of the opposite of that. Um, but yes, uh, Kyube's father, he is, he's also very, he, I was, I want to say he's very kind of like, he pretty much does whatever he wants. And he also joins in on a lot of the jokes that Kintoki and the others have to go through. Uh, one of the most uh, famous scenes is the toilet scene, I don't know if either of you have seen that. It's like a really long, rel- relatively long clip on YouTube. I recommend it just because it's out of context. I think it's hilarious. But it's basically the four guys, including Gintoki, are like stuck in the bathroom. And Kyuwei's grandfather's also stuck in the same bathroom. And they all don't have toilet paper. <laughs> and I think it's kind of like a representation of, you know, what, what, what happens when what goes through people's minds when they're, you know, if you're out of paper and stuff like that. And her grand, um, QB's grandfather, he just comes up with, or like, you know, they're asking each other, you know, what do you have? And he straight up just says, I have sandpaper. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> my God. Yikes.
1: <laughs> it's literally like the worst choice ever, but they they, all the, all the men <laughs> in the bathroom are seriously considering it because it's like their last choice. Oh my choice. God. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, can, I I rewatch that scene sometimes. It's just really, really funny. Um, so yeah, things like that. He's just like there all of a sudden, like you don't expect him to be there, but he's just there. Um, he's actually, uh, you know, even though he's, a, he's definitely a highly, he's, he has this very strong skills as a swordsman. And he's also, uh, kind of reminds me of Grand Torino from My Hero Academia as like a tiny little grandfather um, being very, agile and being able to, you know, pull out his moves really quickly. And he's the one who mostly, um, I would say also taught, uh, Qube her swordsmanship. Um, and so him just, I feel like mostly he's just there for comedic sake, but the fact that he's the head of the family, but can act so carefree and then also kind of more accept what Kyubey is going, uh, going after in the way that she, she's going to possibly lead the family as, the air the and um, become a female lead is something that he's, you know, more accepting of as well. So I thought that was uh, super sweet. Another silly thing that he does, um, Otaya is known to whenever she cooks, she cooks up like dark matter. It's basically uneatable and no one wants to eat it. But um, Yubei's grandfather, well, he just straight up eats it and he's like, yeah, we can't waste food. And he's like, totally okay with that, which I think is uh, super funny as well. Um, but yeah, he doesn't have too many scenes. He only appears in maybe like two or three arcs, but then because of his like little character design and the the kind of effect that he has on Kyubei overall, um, I just really wanted to highlight him and, and i and I think that the scenes or at least the arcs that he's in uh, were very interesting to watch overall in Gintama, um. But yes, that's all I have. Did you all have any questions on that? I know because I know you both of you haven't seen him or have you looked up what he might look like?
2: I saw one image of him with a, like a little plate that's strapped to his forehead and I'm just like, this is iconic. <laughs> this looks great for I character design. I think spelled <laughs>
0: his name wrong. Can you spell it for me?
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, Bimbo.
1: B-I-N-B-O. Okay. K-U-S-A-I. Oh,
0: no wonder. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, the word that his bimbo because I literally means smells of poverty.
0: Oh my god! because yeah,
2: uh, oh. you have the bimbo gummy from uh, Noragami. She's the uh, the goddess of poverty, the pink hair girl. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah! Yeah, on, yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah. Okay.
1: But yeah, the plate scene. I think that's also with the toilet scene as well. I think. I, oh my god! I forget <laughs> what the arc was about, but basically they were v- trying very hard to not. Um, I think it's a dojo type of challenge in that arc where people are trying to not get their plates smashed. So, like, you have to protect your plate and people put it in, like, interesting places so that people can't get to it. How
0: often does he show up? Because the way that he is drawn makes him really look like just a gag character, which I know. I know Gintama is a gag comedy anime, but the anime characters still look very anime you know? So that's why I'm wondering, like, how often does he show up when he looks like
1: that? Yeah, I feel like he only really, at least... From what I was relooking again, because I don't remember, he only shows up in like two arcs, probably, and probably the arc at the end as well, because that's when all the characters come back. But yeah, I feel like, yeah, he doesn't have like too significant of a scene. But yeah, just from the little scene or the little arcs that he does appear, um, it's definitely memorable, at least. Mm -hmm.
0: And so out of the ones that all that you've mentioned, what is the toilet scene your favorite one of featuring him?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Just because like he just shows up out of nowhere, Um, especially when Kondo, he's the one who first realizes he doesn't have any toilet paper left. And he just like, looks, he actually looks over into the next stall and then he sees the grandfather just there because he didn't expect someone to be there.
2: (laughs) Oh my God.
1: And so he looks up to Kondo's like, do you have paper? I want paper. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. Now I really want to look up that scene, even if it is out of context. I think it will be worth it. So <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. righty then. Well, thank you for sharing your best anime grandpas, Isabel. We appreciate laughing to the sandpaper, um, to the sandpaper joke, if nothing else. So I guess that is now your turn, Agnes. So who do you have for us of your best anime grandpas? I'm going to guess Isabel didn't poach any of yours. <laughs>
2: Thank God, no, she did (laughs) it. Yay! The first one I'm going to highlight is someone that's super sweet, and I think that we all know from watching this anime. It's Someji Karamoto from March Comes in Like the Lion. He is the grandfather of the three siblings. Yes.
1: And is
2: a wagashi maker. Um, He runs his own shop. And he's been running it for years, and he's been raising these the three the three girls, the siblings, after their parents died, and also after his own wife died too. And I just think he's an absolute hero for raising these three girls one who's already an adult, one who's in middle school, and the other one who's like basically the equivalent of kindergarten. And also taking this stray boy who's into what is it? Go? Uh, I yeah. Think? I, oh,
0: shogi, shogi. Yeah.
2: No, it's not go. Shouji, shogi, shogi. Shogi. This stray boy who's really into Shogi and can't fend for himself, so he sits them all down at the Kotatsu and they all eat together in a family. Uh, But what I really like about Someji is the arc where Hinata gets bullied and she has to stand up for her friend, but ultimately her friend has to move out of the school into a different school because the bullying got way too intense. The teachers did absolutely nothing. And Hinata is completely broken because she she's at a loss. She doesn't know, like, what did she do? Was that actually the right job? Was she supposed to go with the status quo? And she's really torn up about it, even though Ray tried to help her work through the problem because he also knows that it is straight up wrong for the girls to bully the friend. And for Hinata to have to suffer like this. And so Rei eventually takes Hinata home. And the person who opens the door for her are her siblings. And when they go sit down at the Kotatsu, it's their grandpa. And Someji looks Hinata square in the eye. And in in a very dramatic moment, he suddenly blurts out. He says, I am so proud of you, Hinata. And it is like this, what is it? Like two minute long segment of him telling her that he's so proud of her because he says like I can't imagine what youngsters have to go through all these days I've seen the newspaper about bullying and people you know having to transfer schools and like kind of almost alluding to you know cases where like people commit suicide and stuff too because those also pop up in the newspapers and he tells her repeatedly that he is so proud of her trying to stand up for her friend even though it really really hurts and he the just breaks down crying for the first time actually the second time in that entire arc and it's just really moving to know that she has a parental figure in the form of a grandfather who is still willing to like um who's willing to always support her no matter what. And so that's what I really like that scene about him. I also like because So Meiji comes off as that really gruff Asian grandpa who, who pretends like he's all business. He runs a wagashi sweet shop, so he has to be very professional. But the moment Momo comes around, she's like, Oh, chi chan look what I made! And he's just like, Oh, you're such a good girl! You're so talented! I love you! And I'm just like, yes, this is the <laughs> grandpa's scenery that we like. And so I, my heart really melted while watching. March comes in like a lion with Someti.
0: Yeah, no, I you can't see me, obviously, Agnes. But when you were talking about that arc with Hina bullying, I mean, you you know how I feel about it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's just like so automatic when you started talking about how like the teachers did nothing. I was just shaking my head in <laughs> disappointment because it still <laughs> angers me so much that they would just see this happen right before their eyes and be like oh there's nothing we can do like no you are supposed to do something as the effing adult in this situation like how dare you and that was actually another moment with so muchy um, that I feel like doesn't get talked about enough. So much she wanted to go to that school and be like, what are y'all doing? Because what you guys are doing is absolute BS. And because um, I think like at one point first, it was uh, oh, what was the oldest sister name? Do you remember at all? Oh uh, yes. Akani. So uh, so she was the one who got called to the school for the quote unquote disruptions that Hinata was causing which you know let's like she Hinata's not the one causing disruptions like how effing dare they. Um but the thing is like when when he heard about it he wanted to just like, shut down the store for the day and march over to the school themselves and be like, how dare you guys let these things happen to my granddaughter? You guys are cowards for letting this to happen because you know this is wrong and you refuse to do anything about it. And he was, like, he was ready to go to war in that moment, and specifically, it was because um, the oldest sister convinced him not to come, and uh, specifically, also, she was scared that he was going to, like, wear out his back or, like, die. <laughs> I'll die from, like, the hiding emotions that she didn't want him to come with her but I was like that grandpa was ready to throw hands in support of his granddaughter and that moment where he did tell Hinata that he was proud of her was so important because she needed an adult to tell that to her because all the other adults around her seemed to be telling her well look at where this has landed you you shouldn't have gotten yourself involved so it was just so important that he was the one who man should tell that to her and he said it so nonchalantly as well which is what made that scene more powerful to me at least so yeah an absolute um force to be reckoned with i think the other thing i suspect is because he is a grandfather he is less scared about the idea of fitting into society like that's how i feel about him (laughs) correct me if you think i'm wrong
2: oh i know i definitely think he's seen i feel like he's seen someone at that point and he's read so much and he and he's so confident and sure of himself that he doesn't need Japanese society to dictate what he right. can, and can do, he's just ready to throw hands because he's just like, you are absolutely overlooking something incredibly critical and there's a flaw in your system and he's afraid he's not afraid to speak up versus like Japanese parents like biological parents would definitely feel a little bit because more because they wary still have to go to work they have to interact with a
0: lot of strangers yeah. and it could very much reflect badly on them in a way that is very unfair let's let's make that clear it would be it's yeah. unfair and, but they have to consider it versus i think you know people reach a certain age when they're older and they're just like i really don't care anymore because i also admittedly know that my life is coming to an end so why should i hold myself back
2: <laughs> mhm and i think another point to make is also that uh Someji has such a massive backing from the community mm, that's in right. general mm. as a like a sweets creator in like the heart of like the market and the heart of like the um I guess the market district is the way to put it. And he's just like, if if I if I fall, like people, other people have my back. Like I'm not afraid at all. There's nothing I can lose at this rate.
0: Exactly. Another. Sorry. Final thought before I give it, <laughs> I, I let Isabel talk. Um, final thought I did think of is also uh, Sosmechi has gone through a lot of tragedies as well, and I think that's probably why he clicked yes. with Ray so easily because it can be hard trying to talk to or interact with a child who has gone through so much tragedy that they don't deserve and they shouldn't have gone through. But as a grandfather who has been through a seasoned amount of life, he's lost his kids, he's lost his wife, <clears throat> and he's probably, I mean, just based on his age, he's probably just seeing things, historical events, you know? <laughs> and so, um, and I feel like his experience with that allows him to connect with ray in a way that is like that is very deep and unspoken like he doesn't really need to talk to ray directly or address any of ray's sadness or grief or trauma He just knows deep down and he says and does exactly what he knows Ray needs in that moment to help him. And that's just, that's just a wonderful grandfather. It really, really is. (laughs) Um, Okay, Isabel, I know you've seen March comes in like a lion, right?
1: Oh yeah, I have. So yeah, I'm glad you highlighted him as a grandfather as well, Agnes, just because he is kind of like that idea of like, as their their family when i think about them is kind of loving and friendly and caring and i think that applies to literally all of them uh maybe not so much the cats but that's okay
0: <laughs> the cats are chubby and are chubby and adorable that's all they should do so <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's true but yes um yeah yeah just that scene that you all were talking about and where he you know kind of um you know boosts Hina's confidence and kind of gives her what she really needed to hear in that moment you know the other thing like you said Agnes he could have done just say that maybe say something typical that kind of like oh why did you disturb other people or why did you do this Mm -hmm. at that point she might not you know be as close to her grandfather anymore or close to her friends it could have just gotten worse um so yeah that was a big moment overall and yeah just I almost like totally forgot about him but when you mention him, I just realized, oh yeah, he's definitely there and he's taking care of all these, all these girls. And also, he is accept- very accepting to Ray as well. So he's very, very sweet overall. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, excellent choice, Agnes. So uh, with Someshi being an excellent representative of anime grandpas, who else do you have for us?
2: I don't think this one is a stellar reputation of an anime grandpa but I think he's fairly iconic in the franchise that I'm about to mention, and that would be Joseph Joseph <laughs> from The <laughs> Bizarre Adventure. Mm. Let me start off by saying why he's iconic, but he's not the most representative, great, wholesome grandfather. First of all, he's really Oh, racist. dear. Oh,
0: no. Oh, second no. Of all, <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> second of all, he's kind of a two-timing bastard. Oh, well, I guess um. grandpa's
0: <laughs> not game is nothing.
2: grandpa's got gay but he's also a bit a bit racist but there are also very good parts about him too so that's why i left him at the very last because otherwise without him he's jojo's is wouldn't be the same without him either um so joseph's joestar was featured in the the second half of the beginning of jojo's which is called um battle Tenden um battle tendency and he is this bombastic guy who's very like know it all. He tries to predict a lot of people's moves and he's like really flashy, he's really showy. And then throughout the next two seasons of like two different generations, you start to see him begin to mellow out as like a true grandfather of sorts because in Battle Tendency he's like young and reckless. He's like in his late teens, early 20s, very brash and then in um Stardust Crusaders, he's very Mello, he's a bit racist though because his daughter had married a Japanese man and as a result he kind of like scorns the Japanese man but it's more because he misses his daughter, really. Uh, but in Star, um, in uh, Stardust Crusaders, he finds out that his daughter Holly has been afflicted with a sort of disease that was a curse that was placed upon by the antagonist of the entire series, which is Dio, as we all know. And he, instead of, you know, kind of blaming his grandson that his grandson is not, like, helping his mom or anything like that, he ends up accompanying his grandson and this gaggle of friends that he has to basically go on a quest and defeat Dio. And what's really interesting is that as much as he scorns the Japanese and is a bit racist towards them, he is quite protective of his grandson, which who is um, Kujo from... um, uh, from the stardust crusaders and is a lot more level-headed and deals a lot with his moody grandson and is also very protective over his daughter holly to the point that he'll go to the ends of the earth to basically save her um and then up uh, and then afterwards into the next jojo season he ends up being like this really funnily senile grandpa who doesn't really know things he had his his affair which is a thing um, but he's just very sweet and very mellow at that point. He's just like, oh, it's okay. Everything's fine. And it's just kind of funny to see how he kind of evolves from the very beginning of Battle Tendency all the way until the end, where he's lived quite a long life. And a lot of JoJo's throughout the JoJo's franchises are known to have died and he is probably the JoJo that has the longest living life, which I think is very ironic in the series. But he's just very iconic. I was about right. to say,
0: what a feat so to, to have time. in the JoJo series! Yeah,
2: it's a massive feat. You know, it's from the very beginning all the way into the end, like he has a legacy to live up to as well. Um, like his great granddaughter mm-hmm. is Jolene, who is in the Oh, JoJo's. Um, oh that's so that's his legacy. Yeah, that's oh, his great granddaughter. Yeah.
0: Okay, that's good information to know. <laughs>
2: Yeah, because so Jolene's dad, uh, Kujo, Jojo, he's the grandson of... Gosh, how how far
0: back does this family go?
2: (laughs) It's... it's Far back, I mean, Joseph Joestar is not the first one. He's technically the second, like iteration of the Joestar family. The very first one is Jonathan Joestar. Jonathan Joestar is, I think, now that I think about it, he's probably the himbo of the series. He's probably the ESFJ. Joseph Joestar is definitely the ESTP. If <laughs> what the? Heck? <laughs> How quickly you fired
0: off these MBTI personality types? What have I done to you? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I know what have you done to me? Right? <laughs> um,
0: okay, I do have a sincere question for you. So I know you talked about you slightly addressed as racism, but uh, how did you manage to deal with it? Because clearly you did. Like, did it not bother you at all? It, it
2: it happened like it happened in like very like one very specific scene where it's Joseph comes to the Japanese airport, and he's like, I hate the Japanese! <laughs> he just <laughs> says it out loud at the airport, but he's at the airport because he has to go see Holly, who has been inflicted with this curse. He just doesn't like Japan overall. But uh, Araki-sensei basically alludes it to the fact that he's not truly, truly racist to the Japanese as, like, you know... um, as how the Americans treated the Japanese, like, during the internment camps and stuff like that. But it's more of the fact that Joseph starts very jealous that a Japanese man took away his, his daughter, who he loved and cherished with a lot of oh. his life. So he's just very jealous. <laughs> but it kind of manifests as this weird, like, undirected racism. But he actually genuinely doesn't have true racist thoughts towards the Japanese. He's just a bit sour and very overly protective okay Um, that's
0: that's acceptable now now i understand with his
2: his grandson his grandson is like incredibly moody um and his grandpa is sometimes like yo dude take a chill pill fast so
0: my other thought i keep thinking about is when are the generations going to run out of jo names Uh, you know that's
2: a very good question that's up to Araki-sensei and not us.
0: So. Someone, someone should just compile a list and be like, okay, this is where we're at right now. Let's see how many things are
2: left for the team. I mean, there's there's probably quite a bit. We could probably come up with a list of names with Nico when we go to AX, because both Nico and James really love JoJo's. So. That's true. We could probably true. spend a whole night trying to compile J names.
0: So basically what I'm hearing is this grandpa is chaos incarnate, but a very fun version.
2: (laughs) Yes, he's a chaos incarnate, but it's a a great joy to watch him on screen because he's incredibly absurd. Like Jojo itself is already absurd, but he kind of kicks it up the next level because he is the longest living Jojo. Mm,
0: Got it. And he has a lot of hijinks
2: and he has a lot of really funny clips. Like if you watch on YouTube, when he gets spooked or when he gets scared or when he's like startled by something, instead of being like, (gasps) he'll be like, he will literally say in English, oh my god, and he'll also say, like, oh my gosh, that's sh- where the, that's what the
0: meme <laughs> <name> was, oh <laughs> that's my That's where god. it comes from. <laughs> oh my gosh, my mind is blown, because I don't watch JoJo's, but I just see the meme moments, but now I know He actually context. says it in English,
2: it's so funny, he just says, like, holy shit, and it's really like he's running away from something, and his, and Joseph's, like, most iconic scene, is like he's like I always have a plan for something, and it's like it's like this in all of the um in all of the se- in the series franchise that he's in. He says I always have a plan, and everyone's like, "What's the plan?" And he's like, "We're going to run away," and he just runs out <laughs> of the situation. Everyone's just like, what the, f- dude. <laughs> "The plan
1: is no plan." Didn't he do that a lot in Battle Tendency?
2: He did a lot of that in battle tendency. but then he turns around. and He's like, "Ha! You've been fooled because I have another plan up my sleeve." Oh my and he's God. very dramatic like that. He's very chaotic.
0: This just—I uh, feel like that epitomizes you and Isabel. Like, I feel like that's how you two would go about life. I have a plan. <laughs> mix it up on the spot. So. Exactly. <laughs> Do you deny me, Isabel?
2: <laughs> I
1: don't deny it, but when I see it, when I see it happening on screen, I only watched up to maybe part three so that's why i don't know too much of his Mm -hmm, long living legacy but he was very annoying to me with that (laughs) and i realized Uh, that maybe i'm annoying with that as well if i do do that
2: (laughs) 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 you're like i see myself in this picture and i don't like it (laughs) yeah
0: Feel better, Isabel. I have like hated every iteration of myself in anime characters the second I meet them on screen. So, um, we do share something mm-hmm. with that. So, um, at least, uh, at least you don't, at least you did not have an awkward encounter with another ENFJ in real life. <laughs> so, let's just put it that way. So, or I guess for you, it would be another ISFP. Um, yeah, no, he sounds delightful, I understand why you say he might he's not the best of the best of the anime grandpas, but at the very least, he is fabulous, if nothing else, so...
2: He's lived a very long and interesting life, and that's why he's iconic in the series.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Alrighty then well thank you everyone for listening I hope you guys enjoyed our be- uh, anime grandpa maybe not best anime grandpa's but uh, <laughs> anime grandpas <laughs> episode and happy father's day to everyone I father's day will have passed when this episode comes out but regardless happy father's day to everyone share your dad's stories or grandpa's stories for that matter to us if you want in the Spotify comment sections or uh, or our uh, Twitter which is at growtaku underscore AT yes we are still on Twitter we shall see if we ever move when we move or if we just die on that site it's possible that, that <laughs> it's possible that that might happen and as a final note to all our listeners, we are actually going to be at Anime Expo this year. Uh, Isabel is not, but Agnes and I will be. And Jack, our uh, our not a girl, our not a girl uh, guest, is also going to be with us again this year. So, uh, if you guys, uh, we anime uh, anime Trinity actually has a panel this year. And if any of you guys are going to Anime Expo and you want to meet us, ask us some questions. Please feel free to do so. And uh, I believe that we. Will be um we will be having a panel on July 2nd, 3 30 to 4 20 uh, p.m. and the uh, room is 402 AB. So uh and we do also have some giveaways by the way to uh give out so it's gonna be very fun and we're really excited to see if there's any fans out there. So yeah, other than that, I hope you guys will still be here with us next time. And um thank you guys for listening. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.